Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. This week, we're going to talk about the midterm elections, insane voters cheating, or both, the difference between a victimhood identity that you wear for narcissistic reasons and actually being victimized. Um, viewer comment is going to give me a chance to talk about that a little bit more. And we're going to have a lot of examples of public indecency and outrageous public behavior that has been almost completely normalized in Western society. And really, no one should wonder at the election results that we don't have yet after taking into account what we're going to look at tonight, because new normal is here. But first, we have an update on the boobalicious teacher from Trafalgar High School in the province of Ontario, Canada. So we've got, for those of you who haven't seen the show before, don't know about this story, there is a wood shop teacher at this high school, a man who wears an enormous set of prosthetic breasts, and, and I mean enormous, not Dolly Parton big, like Chesty Morgan big, down below his belly button hanging big. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd, it's clownish, and spandex pants. Uh, and this is his gender identity. So. A few weeks ago, hundreds of parents protested outside the school and said, you know, stop this filth. Well, that's not what the school board had to say. Would you like to know what the school board had to say? This is fresh out of the paper today. Here we go. The Halton District School Board has finished their review of the faculty dress code, a review that was requested in early September after social media images, etc., etc., <laughs> the HDSB determined that implementing a dress code would be a liability to the board. Quote, even where a dress code requirement is generally reasonable, an employee must ensure that the dress code, an employer, excuse me, must ensure that the dress code is non-discriminatory in its application, the school board's report said. Policies which impose different grooming standards on men and women or which place additional burdens on members of one gender will quite often be deemed unenforceable. That is a bunch of absolute nonsense. It has nothing to do with grooming. This is not about grooming. This is about wearing pornified fake breasts. These people are clowns, and they are either absolutely insane or they like this. They approve of it. They think it's hot, and they think that your boy children should think it's hot too. What other explanation is there? Unless we're actually dealing with real retarded people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So let's talk about the election results that we don't have yet. As we record this show, 
we still don't know who has control of the House or the Senate. Maricopa County, Arizona, once again, mysteriously had trouble with more than 20% of its computerized voting machines on election night, November 8th, as they do every election in Maricopa County. Gee, I wonder why this coincidence keeps happening. <laughs> so I'm going to break this into two, two ways to look at this topic. One, electoral incompetence, and two, voter delusion. So let's talk about electoral incompetence. For those of you who are too young to remember, I want you to um, come with me. And for those of you who are old enough to remember, I want you to cast your mind back into the very, very distant past of the year 2000 with the presidential election and the contest between Al Gore and George W. Bush. And this is the key point that I'd, I'd like you to remember about this. <clears throat> that election in 20, not 2020, 2000, that was the night in American history where we first became used to our new normal. What's our new normal? We now expect that we won't have results on election night. This is normal now. Just unremarkable. It's just normal. No, it's not. It's not normal. It never happened before that night in 2000. Do you, older people, do you remember that? If you don't, run this through your mind. Look at what you got used to. I got used to it too. So the results of the presidential election between Al Gore and George W. Bush were contested for five solid weeks because there was a razor thin margin and there were problems with the ballots which used a system to mark your candidate that didn't use a pen to color in a bubble. It used a hole punch, like you use a hole punch to, to put things in a three ring binder. And this gave us the phrase hanging chads, chads being those little uh, pieces of punched out paper. And you had people sitting there with magnifying glasses looking at ballots, looking at these these little pieces of paper that were almost punched out, but not really punched out, just trying to figure out, you know, who's, uh, you know, what the voters' preference was. Absolutely ridiculous. So the country was in an uproar because we'd never seen this before. This had never happened. What do you mean we don't know who the president is for five weeks? And it took, it took itself all the way to the Supreme Court. Now look at us. Look at us today. Our news media, two, three days before the election this year, started prepping us. Here's why it's not reasonable to expect results on election night. Here's why you're not upset about that. Here's why it's normal, and here's why it's a good thing. I noticed it. They started prepping. It's not normal. You shouldn't be used to it. You shouldn't accept it. It isn't normal. It's bad actors taking advantage of a slow devolution in what the public expects in order to get away with incompetence or outright fraud. We can't know. We're not allowed to know. The fact that I even suggested that there was fraud makes me insane and puts me outside the pale of normal discourse. But we just accept this as normal now. There isn't any excuse for any of this. There's no excuse to put votes in a literal computerized black box. What do I mean by black box? I mean the human eye can't read it. No human senses can detect votes stored within an electromagnetic storage system. They aren't even real. They're just part of the code. 
Anyone can rewrite them. How would you know? You wouldn't know. Oh, but we can have people forensically test it. Okay. And how do you know that the forensic testers are telling you the truth? This is the problem of, this is one, I should do a whole show on this. Reality is analog, okay? We are physical beings. We are made out of matter, stuff. We interact in space, in the world. We are actually tangible creatures. The world around us is tangible. The universe is analog. It's not digital. It's not virtual, okay? But we have virtualed almost everything, things we don't even need to make virtual. What is the point? Think about it. Really think about this. Why do you need a sophisticated computer software program with all sorts of algorithms to do simple addition, arithmetic? This is counting. One, two, three, four, five. Do you need an algorithm for that? Do you need a sophisticated computer system to do that? No, you don't. Why do they need it? Are you thinking about it now? Is that starting to crank the wheels? Because it should. Here's what I think we need. Number one, paper ballots across the board. Paper ballots that get physical marks put on them by the voter. All of them need to be indexed and kept. Number two, the only machine counting we should have should come in the form perhaps of optical scanners that look at the little bubbles you fill in and count. Simple arithmetic, simple optical scanner, uh, that's perfectly reasonable as far as I'm concerned. But again, you have to keep the ballots. You have to keep the physical paper ballots. Machine counts should be checked against a hand count of an adequate sample in each jurisdiction. I'm not a statistician. I don't know what an adequate sample would be, but there are people who do know what an adequate sample would be. So these machine counts should be checked against these hand counts, um, spot checks, to, just to make sure that there isn't anything hinky going on. And finally, no touchscreen voting. No, no, no. That should never have been introduced. It, it should never be. It should not be legal. Okay? No. Press here. Press here. Press. No. Mark it on a piece of paper. Thanks, your vote was counted. Oh, are you sure? I guess I can't know. Computer says no. <laughs> this is stupid. It's stupid and it's unnecessary. But, of course, we're not going to get this, are we? Why? Well, because enough of us have been conditioned to think this is just how things are. There's a cost to being this easily led, and that cost is that we have lost control of our electoral system. I don't trust it. I don't know why anyone trusts it. I certainly don't believe that Maricopa County's problems, and they're not the only place that have problems, I do not believe that these are accidents. I don't. Sorry, too coincidental. Is that a conspiracy theory? Am I insane now? Probably. Second part, let's talk about delusional voters. I think it's likely that both actual tampering, fraud, and voter delusion have to do with why this race is so close to begin with. Let's talk about that delusion, and first things first. People have been saying this, and I'm going to comment on it. Yes, it is the case, according to exit polls, that 18 to 29-year-old single women voted very heavily for Democrats. This shouldn't be a surprise. Um, 
yes, I do think that it's because that demographic is really taken in by feminism, modern feminism, by victim posturing. And I do believe that generationally, yes, they have an expectation that the government is there to service them, not just to provide for the basics, but to really service them and service their lives. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why they, they broke that way. And yes, uh, when you look at the numbers, it does appear that being older and being married, whether you're a man or a woman, does change your voter preferences. It does change the way you view the world. And it can really mature people. It's, you know, it, how remarkable that taking on responsibility for a household, a household unit that you, that you share responsibility for, changes your priorities and your analysis. You know, that's not to say that you have to be married with kids to be sensible. If I were going to say that, then I'd have to say that I wasn't sensible at all. Now, you might say that, but I'm not going to. Uh, but yeah, it does help to mature a lot of people. And I think that explains some of the difference. This race should never even have been close, not in a sane world. We're in the worst recession since the Great Depression. We had our constitutional rights trampled on for more than two years. Hundreds of thousands of businesses, small businesses, went under because of government hysteria and government illegal and unconstitutional overreach. The labor market now is insane. Businesses, at least where I am, don't even have regular hours anymore. Even chain businesses with names that you recognize don't have regular hours. You are just as likely to uh, walk up to Denny's at 2 in the afternoon on a Wednesday and see, sorry, closed, no staff, as you are to actually see them be open. And this is across the board. It's convenience stores, grocery stores, everywhere around here. Apparently, nobody has to work anymore. Somebody's paying, somebody's paying their bills for them. Um, our social fabric, at least for me, is never going to be the same. Families and friendships were torn apart during our hysterical response to this alleged pandemic. And personally, I am even more distrustful of the left half of the country than I was before. And that includes most people that I used to call my friends. And what does distrustful mean to me? Well, it means that these are people that I literally will not turn my back on. Yeah, I'd look behind me. I expect them to cooperate with any effort to economically cripple people who object to their politics. Uh, I expect them to make those people social outcasts. I expect them to call for them to be fired. I expect them to support government restrictions on where they can walk and where they can breathe. Um, these people would absolutely call the secret police on people like me and other skeptics who objected. They absolutely would, and I know they would, and that's why I won't turn my back on them. This is not a matter of disagreement. I, you know, and I, I'm saying I, 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 but I know from talking to many people that I am by far, I'm not in a small minority feeling this way. I'm speaking for a lot of people. We don't just disagree anymore. I don't just or merely disagree with the left. I consider them opponents and, and yes, enemies. Enemies. Mm-hmm. Because they live in a moral universe that I don't live in and I want no part of. The things they would do to people like me are not, I wouldn't do those things to them. I don't want to do these things to them, but they, they do want to do them to us. So I, I don't just disagree with them. I distrust them. I think their morals are corrupt. This is what's new normal for at least half the country as a reminder Men can be women and women can be men. Large numbers of children are actually born in the wrong sex body. It is loving to slice the breasts off of 13-year-old girls who say they don't like them.
It's loving to permanently sterilize children by helping them become a Frankenstein facsimile of the sex that they are not. Anyone who tries to shield the children from this is a moral monster. The climate is going to end the world in five years or 10 years or 12 years, just like we've been hearing about over and over again since the 1970s with the ozone layer and acid rain and rising sea levels. And the fact that none of these predictions about an imminent climate emergency or climate refugees, they're trying to make climate refugees a thing. They're not a thing. It's nonsense. These are economic refugees, just like always. Um, unbearable heat, unmanageable sea levels. None of this has come true but it doesn't matter because we still believe it. That's our new normal. It's normal and fine for the government to literally print money by fiat to get out of debt, <laughs> get out of debt. That doesn't increase inflation, and it's not a fiscal house of cards. It's just normal. It's responsible, right? Abortion on demand is so important, so important that we must sacrifice every other political goal and social good in order to make sure that we have that. It's normal for banks to fire customers for being conservative. It's normal to elect post-stroke, brain-damaged John Fetterman to the U.S. Senate for Pennsylvania. It's good and normal to have a brain-damaged senator who literally cannot understand the spoken language and cannot effectively repeat it back. The fact that I'm saying he's brain-damaged makes me evil, insane, and dangerous. It's normal to legally or socially force a dangerous vaccine, an unproven and dangerous vaccine on men, women, and children who don't need it and on pregnant women. Uh, it's normal to believe that America is more racist and dangerous for black people in 2022 than it ever has been in our history, including Jim Crow and slavery. America is a repressive patriarchy where women are chattel, and it's the actual handmaid's tale every single day. I could go on and on for the entire show listing things off like this. That's our new normal. Are we really surprised the race was this close? Because I'm not. And in the next segment after we take the break, we're going to take a look at a lot of the new normal that is fast becoming unremarkable. It's so fast I can't even keep track of it. But I want to close up this segment talking a little bit about um, um, a viewer comment from last week. Uh, we'll put this up on the screen here. I know it's a little bit hard to read. I'm going to read it out to you. Um, Mm, username said, <laughs> this episode could have been more coherent if it tied together the separate narrative elements. You start with a psychological critique of victimhood identities and end up with a victimhood narrative of the oppressed COVID skeptics. Not saying there are factual errors here, but it feels like a lost opportunity to show how to navigate the risks of falling into that very same victimhood identity narrative with its downsides. Um, I, I thank you for bringing this up. This is a good thing to talk about. I will admit, I will admit, I'm a little bit annoyed, and I'll tell you why, and I might be misinterpreting you, and if I am, leave me another comment. There's a difference between victimhood narratives, taking on a victim's identity as a primary identity in order to get narcissistic supply, in order to get paid, in order to get attention. There's a difference between doing that and the actual fact of being objectively targeted and mistreated or victimized, if you will. You know, this comment put the word victim narrative on my closing segment from last week where I said no forgiveness, no amnesty, um, certainly not without contrition. Um, I didn't give a victimhood narrative, and I'm not taking on a victimhood identity. I am accurately, I was accurately describing ways that millions of people in this country were in fact targeted and mistreated. Fact. Not emotional. I'm not, I'm not trying to wear something so you feel sorry for me. That really happened. 
this this to me is it it bothers me a lot. It it is like the confusion that we now have, and I've talked about this before, with the words discrimination and judgment. Because those words have been coupled to concepts of racism uh, so hard, we have forgotten that dis the act of discrimination is morally neutral and that discrimination, that is deciding between two options and valuing one more than another, is not only a morally neutral act, but it is a necessary act. It's part of, it's part of mentation. You can't not do this, right? The same thing seems to have happened with victimhood because it's been so overused by people who are not victims that we start seeing it in places where, you know, I mean, I'm begging your pardon, dear commenter, but um, it's a little strange to me that, that you said, and I ended up with a victimhood narrative about oppressed, scope, uh, oppressed COVID skeptics. You'll forgive me if I say I think I'm detecting a little bit of sarcasm there and I don't think it's appropriate. I mean, you're welcome to it, but you know, that's not apposite. Um, the actions that I listed last week that the government took against people, that private industry took against people, that our fellow citizens took against each other, those things really actually happened. That's, they happened. Um, people were targeted and they were victimized. That's real. And I get to say that. Other people get to say that without being accused of having a victimhood narrative. We must stop doing this. You, we have to stop allowing abusers to misuse our terminology and then take tools away from us. Don't do that. That's not to your benefit. It's not going to help you. And the last thing I want to show you here is an example of why I don't forgive because we're seeing a lot of this. Kevin, please put this on the screen. This is a picture of a sign in a cafe in Melbourne, Australia, and it says, apology to the unvaccinated and vax coerced. Last year, we didn't know. The injection does not stop COVID transmission. It does not protect others. Now we know. We were wrong to exclude you. No, fuck you. It's not about whether you knew. Even if those things were true, you still did a bad thing. It was not okay even if they worked to prevent transmission, it was not okay for you to do what you did. It was not okay for you to coerce. That's not an apology. Do better. Well, <laughs> listen to me. Do better. Let me do it with borderline glasses. Like, do better? Let's take a break. See you on the other side. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod. Like, welcome back and stuff. We got some really good viewer comments this week, and 
and male. These comments show how we have been slowly cultivated to accept things that we never would have accepted before. New normal. This comes from Lucy, who lives in the UK. We'll put this picture up on the screen. This shows a lovely scene in the park with people walking along and a man stark staring naked with his ass toward the camera. Lucy says, I was sitting on a bench near the canal at Broadway Market on the phone to a friend walking along the canal. I was unable to say anything when I saw this man because I couldn't break away from the phone call, but I took this photo because I couldn't believe there was really a stark, bollock, naked man walking down the canal, wearing flip-flops and carrying a little handbag. I looked around and tried to catch someone's eye. There must have been 20 people within eye shot, and no one looked at me. I seriously thought that I was hallucinating. This was broad daylight, middle of the day, on a bank holiday Monday. There, there were kids around. There was no event going on. It was just a normal day. Eventually, when I got home, I called the police. They came and took a statement a few days later and told me that unless more people complained, they couldn't do anything. How have we gotten to this? How have we gotten to this? Well, unless other people don't like naked men walking around in the park in front of their kids, we can't do anything. Maybe you're just a prude. <laughs> don't get me started on UK cops, okay? They're, they're loopy. Um, so how have we gotten to this? Well... I don't know if the next thing I'm going to show you is an example of how we've gotten there or a result of having gotten there, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. <laughs> Billboard Chris, Chris Elston, is a dad from Canada who travels North America with a sandwich board on him that says things like stop sterilizing and mutilating children or no child is born in the wrong body. He talks with people one person at a time to stop this gender-affirming care, which is really child mutilation, and he's been physically assaulted several times for doing so, including getting his arm broken. Um, let's roll this, Kevin, please. Take a listen to this. They're not doing surgeries on All the studies we have in this. You yes, can't. Yes, no, they they're are. not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. There is no What's doctor the in the, the law. There's no doctor in the United States who will give you a, who will do an irreversible surgery under the age of 18. That's just not true. Chloe Cole is across the street. She had her breast cut off at 15. Do you want to come talk to her? Mastectomy is, that's how you want to come talk to her? Was it for cancer or was no, it for gender? That's no, not true. Come talk to her. No. I've got video from Kaiser Permanente in Oakland, California where the doctor is admitting that the youngest patient they've cut the breasts off of is 12 years old. It's on video, my friend. Uh, I'm willing to bet you right now that that's an edited video where the doctor was talking about how the person had cancer, like breast cancer, and how to cut it, off, cut it off. All right, so this is a video by Boston Children's Hospital. For top surgery, you are requested, but not required, to have been on gender-affirming hormones for at least a year. Many surgical centers require you to be 18 for top surgeries. We'll see people as young as age 15 if they've been affirmed in their gender for a long period of time. And so what are your thoughts about that? that, that well, you, you said it's not happening, so it is though, right? Okay, so we're going to acknowledge that? Yeah, I was incorrect about that for sure. <laughs> what else do you think you might be incorrect about? Well, I'm sure plenty of things. I'm you just were very confident about that two minutes ago. Yeah, and uh, you know, like any reasonable person, I can so say what I So now do you wrong. believe that they cut off the breast of a 12-year-old at Kaiser Permanente? Or do I need to show you that video too? Which, were they on, Were they affirming to their chosen gender for a long time? The way they said they have to be in that video? Oh, they don't have to be. They request it. That, that's a, as long as they have been. No, in fact, you can get these letters of approval for surgery over the phone. There was a Pride Festival in Madison, Wisconsin a few weeks ago. Someone set up a tent 
with a sandwich board saying trans or non-binary, free letters of recommendation for surgery. You can just walk up to the tent, get your letter for surgery that you need. Do you think that's the level of safeguarding we need for a lot of these kids who are struggling with other mental health comorbidities? If they want to transition, then yeah. Okay, so, so a second ago it wasn't happening. Now you acknowledge that it is happening and it's totally fine if there's no safeguards. Yep. That young man, if you couldn't see him, was wearing a great big black mask. Of course, it's a correlate. He's part of the cult. Notice how he moved the goalposts. First, he said that he didn't believe Chris. He didn't believe him that this had ever happened. It never happened. Chris is lying. Then Chris showed him the video. He had to admit it because he saw it. It was a video from a hospital with a doctor talking about top surgery. So he had to admit that, but he immediately moved the goalposts. Well, um, um, was that person affirmed in their gender like it said in another one? See, it doesn't matter. He, these people, they don't care. They don't care. It's, 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 just, it's astonishing. And do you wonder about our elections? I don't. Not when I see things like this. I don't wonder at all. I don't wonder that it's close. Let's go back to some viewer mail. Quote, I remember way at the beginning of all of this, right when they first made the masking mandatory. I was at work and I was walking by a mother and her very small daughter who couldn't have been older than three or four years old. I remember looking at that little girl and was struck with a sudden realization of how little she could understand about what was going on around her. I thought about what it would be like for her mind to have to try and develop without the normal facial interaction that anyone older than her would have had. It's been on my mind this whole time. Every time I saw a little kid in a mask, I wanted to scream at the parents. Yeah, me too. She goes on. I had to wear that damn thing 40 hours a week for nearly a solid two years. Not seeing the faces of people I spent the most time around really broke me. If an adult in her 30s can be this wrecked from this experience, how can a small child expect to come out of this mentally whole? How indeed. Here's another viewer. Thank you guys very much. Good mail, good comments this week. Quote, I don't forgive because I don't consider what happened to have had anything to do with needing forgiveness. This was not a bad action or a mistake. This was a revelation of character. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, it was. I have integrated the things I have learned about these people and will make all future decisions with that knowledge in mind. I will never forget who these people are and what they are willing to do. Amen, sister, I'm with you. That's why I don't forgive, because I know who they are and I know what they will do. These people have no idea. There is no going back. We will never unsee. We will never unknow. They are who they are, and pun intended, they have been unmasked. Yep. Another viewer said, remember, we talked last week about Professor Emily Oster's article in The Atlantic calling for a pandemic amnesty because we just didn't know the science. Everybody's mistakes were just good faith mistakes, you know, and I was having none of that. And I'm glad to say that um, <laughs> it appears that the disaffected viewers are having none of it either. So next viewer says, um, just this morning, as I was dropping off my children at play school, a mother came in and declared, quote, there was a COVID exposure here on Friday, so all kids need to mask up. I asked, 
After nearly two years, I then requested that staff not put masks on my children since we aren't worried about COVID. Well, you know what's coming. About three hours later, I was sent an email from the play school board. <laughs> they have a school board for a nursery school? Honestly, probably need a PhD to sit on it too. I was sent an email from the play school board expressing their concerns that our family, quote, may not be safe for the pod. Safe for the pod? What do you mean, like this pod? Like a body snatcher's pod? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you guys, this is a we're living in a 70s horror movie. This is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. These are pod people. Oh, my God. Mm. And though I can't say anything on it, I can look at it. And I found a few things on Twitter. Someone called The Skull King commenting on our elections this week, which we don't know the results of. <laughs> COVID pandemic tyranny states went blue again because they like the tyranny, by the way. Desperate, hopeless people like the idea of being ruled because it frees them from the responsibility of fixing their seemingly unfixable situation. Yeah, agreed. Somebody responded to him. I thought this was uh, apt. JR said, traditional folk simply don't perceive the motivations of others cleanly and read in their own altruism and rationality. Ray Nagin was reelected after Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. That was my first black pill. Now I can't unsee it. This is theological. Conditions and outcomes are irrelevant. Agreed. And instead of saying traditional folk, I think I would say most people, actually. This is, I'm looking for a name for this. What I'm calling it right now is positive projection. And that's projecting your own morality and your own altruism and your own sense of fairness onto other people, right? When we talk about projection, we're usually talking about when we project our negative feelings, our, our bad character traits onto other people to make them the enemy. But projection works both ways. And the majority of people, this, this is why so many people think I am, I'm just overwrought about things. I'm histrionic. I exaggerate. I'm too cynical, and and to to a certain degree, some of that is true. I will allow some of that because I do know myself, and this is my personality. Um, but I won't allow all of it. In fact, I won't. I won't even allow the majority of it. Um, but that's coming because they are engaging in positive projection. They don't accept or believe that there is a category of people who don't mean well, who are manipulative, and who do lie and do it with a smile on their face to make you think that they're your loving neighbor. They they project their own goodness onto other people. And it's dangerous to do that. You know, that's, that's how you blind yourself to wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, and it's how normal people are taken in by cluster B people and cluster B behaviors. Um, next response to this was, if you can have a dementia-addled, mushmouth, pedo, pedophile, butcher Afghanistan, raid the former president's house, run inflation to a 40-year high, shut down oil... Censor Facebook and put trannies in his cabinet and it nets you three Senate seats. It's time for a long, hard look in the mirror, Western man. Yeah, agreed. 
We're going to keep this one a little bit short and take yet another break. But before we do, I want to remind you, please subscribe to us on audio. I love it that you guys watch us on video because I pull faces for you. <laughs> uh, but we're good on audio and we're on every single podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. And we are actually going to have more because um, you can't see this, but behind this new set, we've got going on is all sorts of new equipment. There's a new little spot here to record our audio only. We haven't put any of those out in a while, but we're going to be coming back to them. And one of the great things about the Discord that we have now, the chat server, again, if you're new to the show, if you're new to Discord, it's just online chat rooms. If you've ever been in an online chat room, that's all Discord is. But what this program can do is let us actually talk to each other. There's something called, I love this name too, it's called the Mouth Lounge. <laughs> and that's where you can go in and turn on your microphone and actually talk to other people instead of typing. But we tested it out a few weeks ago, and you can get a great quality uh, recording out of that. So we're going to be bringing in some people. Some of the audience members who come and support the show will be doing some recordings there. Uh, we may even do some of our podcast recordings and show you some behind-the-scenes stuff. So uh, definitely subscribe to us on audio. We're going to have new stuff coming out. There's several ways to do it, obviously. Patreon.com slash disaffected, subscribestar.com slash disaffected. And if you want to just do a one-off donation, you can open up your PayPal and send a donation to us at disaffected.fm. Uh, we really appreciate it. All we ask for Discord access is $5 a month. But Christmas is coming up, so I'm going to ask you to double. Whatever you want to give, you are now required to double it. So if you're going to give 5 now you have to give 10 Got it? All right. Oh, actually, before I go, uh, we're going to do an, uh, another Cluster B lesson, a real practical lesson that I drew from some conversations with um, my coaching clients that I have. So get a notebook. I've got some tips that will be helpful for you. See you after the break. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod. Welcome back. We've got more new normal for you. This was reported on CBS News, what I'm about to show you. It's not a joke. It's not a troll. It's real. Mattel to release transgender Barbie. <laughs> and if you can't see the screen, too bad for you, because it's a picture of an inset of Laverne Cox, the man who calls himself a woman who starred on... Uh, that, what was it? I, I don't remember which network. Orange is the New Black, that prison movie. <laughs> you know, prison lesbians and trannies, along with Kate Mulgrew. 
<laughs> so apparently the new transgender Barbie is going to be modeled on this man, Laverne Cox. But I have questions. How will we know that this is the transgender Barbie? How will we know that it's an authentically transgender doll? Does it come with a, with a tucking device? Is there a neo-vag hole to nowhere? Removable wig? Tuckable schlong with new Pikapine technology? What? What makes a plastic doll transgender? <laughs> well, if you don't want to wait for the doll for this Christmas season, I got something for you. <laughs> Get your eye bleach ready. <laughs> this, this is from Derry, New Hampshire. Um, not Ireland, New Hampshire. So next door to me. Um, take a look at this. This is the Greater Dairy, uh, Greater Miss Dairy contest. Dairy is D-E-R-R-Y, not dairy like cow, although that would have been more appropriate, as you will see momentarily. Um, is a picture of all the girls who competed in this beauty pageant. And don't, don't tell me it's not a beauty pageant, because it is a beauty pageant. Everybody can see it's a beauty pageant. All the girls who participated and the winner standing in front and the winner, of course, is a is a troon, is a man, um, a man of size, shall we say? Um, <laughs> and then there's a picture of him <laughs> after he got his bouquet for for, for winning, because yeah, he won. <laughs> Just sort of like looking at the crowd like this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I swear, it's you know. Kim Jong-un, happy at last. <laughs> Notice the body language in this picture. Look at those girls. He's standing there tall with his alleged breasts thrust forward while the girls that are next to him are all standing in that feminine one-legged pose where they're leaning on one leg and sort of tilting the other one up and they've got the head tilt, right? Soft and coy. What are these girls thinking, right? That's what I wonder. How many of them are utterly terrified not to smile at this ridiculousness that, that they're participating in, right? I know I've come down hard on uh, female college athletes before, uh, particularly uh, those who have chosen to continue competing on their swim teams when there's a man on there, because they are grown adults, and I think those, those young women are not children, and they do have the responsibility uh, to stand up for themselves. But these girls are even younger, Somebody needs to be looking out for these girls. Where are their parents? Why is this okay? And we're not done with this yet. We've got a little video of this shit. Take a listen and take a look. Can we skip to the He's about to win. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Feed me, Seymour! <laughs> Come on. You are looking at a literal pig in a wig. A fat, fey homosexual stuffed into a value village prom gown, gawping at the camera as if he weren't 250 pounds of scrapple stuffed into a sequined casing. Like we're supposed to believe he's the most beautiful girl in the world. You know what he reminds me of? Divine. 
in the 19, in the original Hairspray. You know, all you people out there. Oh, I love Hairspray. John Travolta was so good in it. Die. Hairspray starred Divine, Ricky Lake, and Debbie Harry in 1988. <laughs> and Divine plays Edna Turnblad, um, a housewife and laundress. <laughs> I love saying laundress. <laughs> this is what this guy looks like. I've got hampers of ironing to do and my diet pill is wearing off. <laughs> All right. How about even more new normal? We talked about this a little bit last week when I showed you those clips of um, Sam Vaknin, the diagnosed narcissist slash psychopath who writes extensively on narcissism, on cluster B, and, and who, for my money, has a lot of very interesting things to say. It was a conversation between Sam and Michael Schellenberger, and Michael Schellenberger is a climate scientist who has come out in recent years against the extremists within the climate movement and against the doomsday scenarios. He, he is pointing out that it's all gotten way out of control, and it leaves no room for the actual reliable scientific data that says, here is how much we're affecting the climate, here are the consequences that could happen, and here are some options we can take to either accommodate ourselves to that or to stop it. We can't talk about any of that reasonable stuff because everything is like how everybody freaked out 10 years ago about the Mayan calendar coming to an end and how the whole world was going to come to an end. Um, but there was more in that that I wanted to bring out for you this week. Um, we'll show you a picture of one of his tweets in that thread. <clears throat> Michael Schellenberger says, and he's introducing a video here that we're going to show you. You're seeing a lot of these uh, roadway shutdowns in the United Kingdom where people sit down in the middle of the road in the middle of thoroughfares and say, stop oil, we're doing this for the climate, and they stop shoppers, they stop people from going to work, they piss everybody right off. So Schellenberger says, a 24-year-old woman shut down a major highway in the UK just now. Excuse me. She says it's for the climate, but she's obviously suffering from severe mental distress, narcissism, and grandiosity. Quote, why does it take young people like me, she asks. Climate fanatics are weaponizing mental illness. He's right, but I'm going to differ with him a little bit. The young woman that we're about to see is not suffering from severe mental distress. She's not. And you'll see why when you listen to it and when you take a look. She doesn't have a mental illness the way we think of... Uh, mental illness normally, debilitating or even sympathetic mental illnesses like manic depression that we now call bipolar or schizophrenia where you actually lose touch with reality. She's, she's completely sane. She doesn't have any of those mental illnesses. Her problem is something else. See if you can guess what it is. Roll it, please, Kevin. My name is Louise, I'm 24 years old, and I'm here. I'm here because I don't have a future. And you might hate me for doing this, and you're entitled to hate me. But I wish you would direct all that anger and hatred at our government. They are betraying young people like me. I would love to be there if they did their lawful duty to their own citizens. I'm part of the 
just a royal coalition demanding an end to all new oil and gas licenses in the UK. What we're asking for is what all the scientists are asking for, what the United Nations are asking for, the international energy, the IPCC. How many more people have to say, we don't have a livable future if you continue licensing oil and gas for you to listen? Why does it take young people like me up on a fucking gantry on the M25 for you to listen? <laughs> Over a thousand people in the UK died in just a few days because of the 40 degree heat because of the climate crisis, which is fueled by oil, gas, coal, fossil fuels, and our government, they want more. It is an act of murder. And this is an act of self-defense. And we need you to join us in order for this to work, in order for our murderous government to take action and listen. How many more people in Pakistan, in Nigeria have to die before- they oh God, there's 30 more seconds of this, you guys, I'm sorry. We will stop as soon as the government stop new oil and gas. Please join us. Civil resistance is all we have left. The police are now here. And they're closing off the road. There's another person down here. Just stop oil is the only chance of a future that we have left. How many more people have to say they won't have a home to go to? <laughs> Why does it take young people like mine? <laughs> this is just Greta Thunberg, right? How dare you? <laughs> this, okay. This, this chick does not have a mental illness. She doesn't, she's not in severe mental distress. That's not true. Don't be fooled. She's loving this. This is her prom night. She's the prom queen. She has something else, and that something else is pathological narcissism, at least in this context. Look at her. She's not actually crying. There aren't any tears. Do you, did you notice that? Her eyes aren't red. There's no water leaking out. She's looking over. To, I swear to God, she, I, she looks like she looks like she's checking to make sure that her key light is in the right place. She's looking over her shoulders, make sure the camera's on her. You know, she's not emotionally worked up about anything except her own vanity. And I don't know if you caught this, but did you catch the duper's delight smirk on her face? Go back uh, if you want to. Go back, rewind this show, and. Watch her again, and you can see that when she says something that's supposed to be really stark and terrifying, there's a smirk on her face. You can see it in her eyes, too. She's loving this. I'm loving it. I mean, really. So <laughs> I pulled this one out. <laughs> my UK friends, I'm sorry for my crap accent, but I'm totally going to do it anyway. You're going to hate me for doing this, and you're entitled to hate me. <laughs> She's grinning in delight as she contemplates you hating her. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Get her off the screen. Banish her. All right. This is the notebook part. This is the, this is the Cluster B lesson for this week. Um, 
that I would like to impart to you. Look at the good I do. So, it, as, as you know, um, I've been taking uh, coaching clients. I'm offering one-hour sessions uh, to people to talk about abusive and toxic situations they may be in in their life. Uh, it's not therapy. Uh, it's experienced. Uh, it's an experienced layman. That's me. Uh, helping people walk through these things, identify the kinds of personality problems that they think may be happening around them, identify what their reactions have been and whether those are helpful or not helpful. Um, and I had a client who I believe was in danger. Of course, I, I don't break confidentiality. Nobody's ever going to be identified. Um, but I am going to talk generally about the kinds of situations that my clients find themselves in because they're not uncommon. And if I have a client who's in this situation, I know for an absolute fact that I have an audience member who's watching this right now who's been in this situation. So I, have, I, ha I had a client who was in a friendship relationship with uh, a mother and son duo. And I believe that mother and son duo to be actually dangerous, personality disordered, very likely, but, but actually the dangerous kind. Um, and my client wanted to know, what is the best way to get out of these people's lives? How do I make sure that I'm not a target? How can I back out of this relationship? Because what happened, and this happens, I have done this so many times. Any of you who are listening to this, who, you know, th this is not a criticism. Those of us who come from abusive or neglectful households, particularly if we have a parent who is a cluster B, and that's most, that's almost everybody I've ever spoken to as a client. And, and just, just going off my gut and my anecdotal experience, it's most of the people that I've ever interacted with on this show or who, who joined the Discord, not everybody, but the majority. Um, we have all done these things. We tend to pick bad friends for a while because we replicate the toxic relationships we had with our mother or father. Um, so you're going to find yourself, even after you've cut contact maybe, um, with a really toxic person in your life, you're often going to find that you've got some friendships hanging out there that, that are bringing some of that same crap back to you. And, and that's what happened to my client. Um, so how do you get away from these people? Um, they keep texting you. They keep calling you. They keep messaging you on Facebook. I'm going to give you some suggestions. I want to tell you first, there is no one answer to this, okay? I can't give you a foolproof method. There's nothing I can tell you that will guarantee your safety. I cannot do that for you. No one can do that for you. And it's not that I don't know the answer, but another expert does. No one knows that answer. Fate has a lot to do with this. You can improve your chances. But no, there's no rule of thumb that will work for you each time. So accommodate yourself to that reality. You need to ghost people. And ghosting is what we call people who sort of fade out of our lives. In fact, I criticized people last week for ghosting me. We usually talk about it in a negative way. You know, somebody, instead of having the decency to tell us that they're going to end the relationship, they just simply drift away. And, and, and we are often left feeling hurt. But there is also a necessary time to ghost people, and that's when these people are danger to you. Ghosting dangerous people is exactly what you want to do. Get over your feeling that it's mean to do this, that your honesty demands that you explain all of this to them. If you're dealing with a cluster B, and particularly a dangerous cluster B, all of your instincts are going to lead you the wrong way at first. You're going to want to justify yourself. You're going to want to give detail. Do not do that. Everything you give is another hook for them to reel you back in. You must 
fight what your gut is telling you on this one. If you're trying to get away from a dangerous person, you want to become as boring and uninteresting as you possibly can. Sometimes you can't instantly cut off contact for some reason, and sometimes it's not a good idea to instantly cut it off because the person might really be ready to explode and you don't want to give them, you don't want to light that match that sets the powder keg off. So what do you do? You temporize. That's a fancy way of saying you put them off, you delay. Delaying tactics is what, what you're doing. You give vague, non-committal responses to their contacts, to their texts. And you do fewer and fewer responses as time goes on. And you space them out. You start making them wait a little bit longer each time before you respond. And there's going to come a point where you don't respond at all. Make them wait a day. Make them wait two or three days, then longer, before you respond to any of these contacts. So, <clears throat> gray rock ghosting. Number one. Don't respond to these contacts or texts immediately. This is going to be hard for some of you. It's very hard for me. Um, make them wait. Don't jump to respond there. Number two, give absolutely no indicators that you will see them soon or maybe next time or maybe next week. Do not do that. You will be tempted to do it. Don't do it. Okay? They will try to draw you out. They will try to get you to take the bait. They will say, well, I'm free in two weeks from now. How about you? Hmm? We'll see. Or nothing at all. But there is a time when, well, when you respond, what do you say, right? I have some suggested responses for you. Number one, these are all, I, what I want you to notice about these is that they're all vague but that's not the only important thing. The other important thing is they make no promises and they don't apologize. Notice that none of these suggested answers have an apology. You don't want to apologize. You don't want to indicate, oh, I am accepting that I did you wrong by not getting together with you. Do not do that. So a couple of suggested responses. One, kids were acting up last night, just saw my texts. Yeah, just like that. No, I'm so sorry. Um, number two, not been getting everyone's texts recently. It's a toss off. Or number three, really busy at work right now. Yeah, they're, they're glib and a little curt. They're not rude, but they're not warm either. And they're not supposed to be warm. They're not an invitation. Don't issue invitations and don't imply them. Um, also important, if you believe that this person is dangerous, do not block them on your phone. Instead, document and save everything. You may need it later if you have to talk to the police. Force yourself instead not to respond once you've cut them off. There is going to come a point where you cut them off. You're, I ended up blocking my mother because I wasn't strong enough to do this. I wasn't strong enough to resist. But if you can, don't block them. Take, take it instead as an opportunity to practice the discipline that you need to make second nature. You need to be able to control your reactions and simply not respond to the provocation. And if you can do that here, that's a skill that's going to stand you in good stead in many other contexts too. I should also say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to say this person's name 
because I'm not quite sure about how they would feel about it. But I did consult an actual professional friend who is done who does this professionally who gave me really wonderful advice so what I'm giving to you here is an amalgamation of my experience and this person's professional experience and and person you know who you are and you have my thanks um, people will ask when do I cut them off and stop responding and the answer to that is the minute they start guilting you or even implying a threat so what are some examples of guilt tripping? These are common ones. You can probably come up with some of your own. If you do, if you've got some good ones, leave them in the comments uh, on, on YouTube or uh, better yet, if you give us a review on your podcast platform, you can leave that there too because I'll look. Reviews help, especially positive ones. Please leave us a review on an audio podcast platform. Thank you. So examples of guilt tripping. I guess you're not interested in talking to me. <laughs> Maybe we weren't as good friends as I thought. <laughs> or, you're not the person you seem to be. I thought you cared. That is when you end it. That's the last text. You don't respond to this shit. Okay? This is manipulation. It's cluster B nonsense. It's a spider trying to draw you into the web. And you never... Uh, respond and you cut off when we get to the part where they send you veiled threats and they will. Here are some examples. Do our other friends know how you treat people? You expect me to just act like it's okay to ignore me? I'm surprised you're acting this way after you told me how your father treated you and how that made you feel when he treated you like you're treating me. All of these are veiled threats. The person is threatening to start gossiping about you. The person is threatening to triangulate your mutual friends against you. This person is threatening to smear your reputation and disrupt your social relationships. That last one is a common way that dangerous people remind, when they say, I'm surprised you're acting this way after, after everything you told me about how your mother or father treated you. I won't, you know what's underneath that? That's a way that these people will remind you that you shared intimate secrets with them and they know your intimate secrets and they can do things with your intimate secrets. That's what that is. You're meant to understand that your secrets may not stay secret unless you comply. Get good at reading between the lines. <clears throat> That's when you contact you cut contact immediately. And if you think you're in real danger, follow your gut. Don't ask me. Don't call a friend. If it's, if, if it's an emergency situation, follow your gut. If you really believe you're in danger, call the police. Contact a domestic violence shelter, a domestic violence advocate, somebody who has some expertise in how do I get away from a dangerous person. There, like I said, there are no foolproof steps that I can give you that will guarantee you a good outcome in every situation. Sometimes you may actually be in danger and the best way to proceed isn't clear. But if you take this approach, you are more likely to shed your cluster V, your cluster B vampire so that they can find someone else's blood to suck. And unfortunately, that is the case. You can't stop them being who they are. You can't change their nature. You can only hope they move on to someone else, and it's not your fault if they do. You're not obligated to take it so that somebody else doesn't have to. But remember, you invited the vampire in. 
you did that. Vampires can't come in until you invite them, but you invited them in. And once you do, they will come in. Learn to recognize vampires and stop inviting them. That's the show. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next week. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod. Pod.